welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings. Welcome to this uh, episode of Healing Courageously. Today we're going to close out the month of uh, Child Abuse Prevention Month, month of April. That Every year that's uh, this time of year, that's what this month is all about, is Child Abuse Prevention Month. And I'm a big advocate for that, and not enough people are aware of the amount of abuse that happens um, within the world, and, you know, more importantly, within their own home. Uh, physical, emotional abuse is, is rampant pretty much throughout the United especially with this pandemic that's going on. And also you have um, the sexual abuse that happens as well. It's a hidden stigma that's swept way underneath the dark side of the, of the carpet. So... My job is to bring it to light. I know it's an uncomfortable subject, but it needs to be talked about. It happens, you know, 93% of perpetrators are family members or family friends. So that in itself should give you a warning sign right there. We have to be careful of who we trust with our children. They are a gift from God, and they need to be treated as such. Physical abuse is nasty. It's violent. There's no reason for violence with children. I said it when I was on a radio show. I'll say it now like I always will. You show me in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, where Jesus spanks or hits kids, and I'll shut up. And it's nowhere nowhere in the New Testament. And even with the rod and staff in the Old Testament, there's a lot of misperceptions about that, and I've done a lot of research on this. I'm not talking off the cuff. so, But that's not what this is about at this point in time. So in concluding, you know, we talked about some of the effects uh, what sexual abuse is, and a few other things. But we're going to conclude today with a couple different things. Um, why we don't tell and how we can help are two of the most important things I think we need to talk about. But before I do that, I want to just recap what abuse is so that we're all aware of what abuse is. Um, because a lot of a lot of us, a lot of people don't know that what they're doing is abusive. They think it's just part of growing up, and for them it was. But I always invite those people that are, well, it happened to me when I was a kid, and I'm okay. I, I always like to invite those people to take a little journey back in time and ask themselves, how how did I really feel? And don't sugarcoat it. How did I really feel when I was being abused that way? It's a great question that needs to be answered. Is that the way? <laughs> excuse me. Is that the way you want your children to feel today? I, I don't. I don't think so. So, what is abuse? Abuse of any type, any type, occurs when someone has power over another and uses that power to hurt. That's a big statement right there. Who has power over a child? A parent, an aunt, an uncle, an older sibling, clergy. The list goes on and on and on and on. Physical abuse means that someone exercises physical power over another 
that someone exercises physical power. Oh, I'm sorry. I just said that. <laughs> causing physical wounds. Sexual abuse means that someone exercises sexual power over another, resulting in sexual wounds. And spiritual abuse, which is probably the worst of all of them, and occurs the minute a child is abused because the spirit of that child has been assassinated at that point in time, happens when a leader with spiritual authority, that, and who, who are those leaders with spiritual authority? Well, naturally, you look at clergy, a lot of, a lot of different areas in clergy, right? Pastors, priests, um, nuns, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, anybody who has that authority, right? Uses that authority to coerce, control, or exploit a follower, thus causing spiritual wounds. And it, we were just mentoring another couple pre-marriage counseling the other day. By the way, the couple, was just, they're, they're, they're really strong. But she was saying that that's exactly what happened to her as a child growing up. It was, she was coerced, as I was, coerced, threatened, told I was, I was worshiping Satan if I went surfing on a Sunday after church. It's, it's amazing that what people will say to get somebody to go to church instead of, and I'll, I know that God doesn't do that, and I know Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is a man, he's a gentleman, right? He, he, he gives us free will. He shows us the way. He shows us by his actions. He shows us by love, which is what we're supposed to emulate. It's the love of Jesus Christ. Be mindful, be, be Christ-minded in all that we do. Philippians 2.5. That means even with our children, so that they want to go. So parents, you got to be careful out there. I mean, there's two scriptures that, that I don't think are, 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 are expressed enough in any kind of religious uh, temple. Any kind, Christian, Catholic, whatever it is. And one of them is, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And, and, and that's one, one scripture. And that same scripture is in, another, is in uh, another, I think it's in Matthew. I think they're Luke and Matthew. And the, the, the other verse, the other por, uh, part of that is, or the other um, scripture like that is, fathers, do not provoke your anger to children to cause discouragement. That's a pretty powerful scripture. And believe me, you might think you're encouraging your children by making them angry, but all you're doing is discouraging them. And the other one is, I'm going to paraphrase this one because I can never, I can never memorize it for some reason, but Jesus, Jesus says, if you cause harm to my little one and cause him to fall from my grace, you'd be better off with a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea. So what Jesus is saying there. You harm one of my little ones and cause them to fall from my grace, you'd be better off dead. So we really got to pay attention to what we're using to justify our behavior when it comes to our children. Most of us, unbeknownst to us, and even some that maybe they know, are abusing their children. And they think it's just normal, part of growing up. Well, if it is... Was for you, that's great. I mean, I, I mean, I could say the same thing for me, being spiritually, physically, sexually, and emotionally abused for, for five years. That's just normal. I deserved it. I, I didn't deserve it. So just be careful. And don't take what society says with a grain of salt. 
Do your own research. Get into the Bible. Research what it says about abuse. Even some of the, the psychologists today, there's an article I have on my, my desk in my drawer over here that proves that spanking does absolutely no good at all. And in my opinion, why are you spanking a child? Because you're frustrated because you don't know any other way to get that child to behave the way you want them to behave. Remember this. Discipline is before the act. Punishment is after the act. You have to remember that. You have to learn good discipline. Um, uh, my mind's gone. You have to learn good discipline measures in order to have in order to keep from having to punish your child in in a, in a negative way. There's so many different ways you can do it, but it's got to start young. All right. So moving on. You know, one one of the things. Um, that comes up all the time is, well, why didn't you tell? Why don't you tell somebody? Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about why I didn't tell, and then I'll give you some some of the rules of, for men and women. Um, one's by Dan Griffin, and one's by uh, Melanie. I can't remember. God darn it. I have it down. But anyways, why won't I tell? Okay. I can remember the first time I saw my stepfather raging and literally literally tearing my my house our, our, our house apart i mean literally tearing it apart and my mom's fearing for her life and so i'm running up and down our street in dana point we just moved to dana point knocking on all my neighbors doors please help please help please call the police call the police and every neighbor slammed the door in my face so i learned there why say anything okay why would I say anything? Because nobody cares. So slam the door in my face. One reason. Two reasons. Second reason number two is when the when the, when the, when the emotional abuse or the physical the sexual abuse began, my father had literally just died a month before, and so Jack, who was to become my stepfather, he caught he was home when I got home from school. He called me in my bedroom and says, "I understand how hard life's going to be for you without your father here." And I just want you to know that I'm going to be here and be that father figure for you. And as he's giving me this speech about how he's going to be there for me, his hand's going down into my crotch. Nothing violent, nothing radical that day, but that's when it started. And then as we left, walked out into the living room, he stopped me at my door and says, Now, don't tell anybody. This is going to be our little secret. So here I am, a 12-year-old boy. I just lost my father who I love dearly, and he was my hero. And I'm being told by this man that's going to be my father figure, and I'm figuring this is just the way fathers are. Don't tell nobody this is our little secret. So I don't want to lose another father figure, so I don't say nothing. And then plus I'm a member of a secret club. Cool. That's reason number two. Reason number three, I reached out to the police one day without going into the whole story. Or actually, the police were called on me. And when I told the officer, you don't know what it's like living in this house, he says, Randy, I don't care what it's like living in this house. You're 17. If they tell you to stay in your room until you're 18, you stay in your room. So why don't we tell? Why, why, do, why should we when nobody wants to listen to us? Nobody wants to believe us. 
I mean, I've heard countless stories from survivors. I went, to, you know, I, I, there's one girl. I went and told my mom, and she slapped me across the face. I, I told her my grandpa was molesting me. She called me a liar, said I wanted it, and slapped me across the face and said, "Never, you know, never say it again." You know how many sexual abuse survivors are blamed for the sexual abuse? Okay. Those are real life stories that I've heard and of, of me in particular, and there's countless others that I could say. But let's get to what some other people say here. For men, the man rules, all right? Don't cry. You want something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about, okay? Don't ask for help. Figure it out on your own, man. You're a man. Get over it. Just get it done. I don't care how you get it done. Don't ask for help. You got to figure it out. Just keep your mouth shut about anything that goes wrong. Don't show your emotions. Whatever you do, do not show your emotions. I used to say this. I'm a contractor. I got no feelings or emotions. You know, there's a, God bless my ex-wife, she's wonderful, she really is a wonderful woman, and, and she, I can remember, <clears throat> we got back from a camping trip, and we were, we were looking, I got home, and I was looking at a whole bunch of pictures from when my, I was camping with my father, and my grandfather, and stuff, and I was crying, and this is about five years into our marriage, I would guess, probably 69, 79, probably 10, 12 years after my father's death. And I was crying, and she comes in and goes, what, what's, what's going on? I'm just looking at all these pictures of my dad, and it's just bringing, it's really touching me. She goes, Randy, he died 10 years ago. Get over it. I mean, you know, you, you don't get over it. I mean, it, it's my father's death. My father was my hero. But don't show your emotions because you'll be criticized and belittled if you show your emotions as a man. And I'm going to go off a little bit here because if we're all made in the image of God, the only differences that we have would be the physiological differences between a man and a woman. As far as our spirit, as far as our emotions and our feelings, we're all the same. Women feel heartache just like men feel heartache. Right? Men feel pain just like women feel pain. So why is it okay for a woman to cry or speak out when she's hurt, but not okay for a man. Because society says, suck it up, be a man. Look it. Men who cry are real men. I'm, I'm just going to say it that way. Because if you can't cry as a man, I used to tell my wife, I don't want to cry before I got sober. I don't want to cry. Why? Because once I start, I won't be able to stop. It's just going to pour out of me. So you can see, and I've cried a lot, a lot since that day, a whole lot. So it's okay to show your emotions. It's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to cry, whether you want to believe it or not. And don't show your weakness. Whatever you do, you're a man. Don't show your weakness. I'm going to say it right now. Only a weak man. Only a weak man, I want you to hear this, get in your brain, hides his weaknesses. 
It takes a truly strong and courageous man to talk about his weaknesses. It takes a truly strong and courageous man to talk about his weaknesses. I know a lot of people are going to, oh boy, you've gone over the edge. No, I haven't. Because holding on to those secrets of our weaknesses is what kills us emotionally and spiritually. We're threatened as a child. There's been a lot, a lot of kids, a lot of, a lot of abusers have been threatened. Or the other way, you know, that you're threatened as a child or you're, you're, you're bribed as a child. So, you know, especially if you're threatened that, hey, I'm going to kill your family or kill your family pet or whatever, why would you say anything? And then the granddaddy of all is the shame. You know, it's a lot of us were able to repress all these feelings for years, drugs, alcohol, whatever addiction you might have had to suppress the shame worked for a long time. But let me tell you, the shame didn't go nowhere. It sat right there in your gut. And it caused a lot of issues in your life. And I understand what shame feels like. When I finally faced all this head on, man, I had a shame attack. I thought people could smell the shame coming out of me. And I thought they could see the shame all over me. It was that bad. Oftentimes when we talk with people and they come up and they've never said anything to anybody about their abuse and they, they'll sit down and we'll talk, you know, we'll have a, 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 a confident um, conversation and I'll always tell them, look at tonight when you go home, it's possible that either tonight or tomorrow you're going to get hit with a lot of shame because you just revealed your dark, darkest secret to somebody. And just know that's okay. You're not going to die. And if you need to, you can call me and we'll talk you through it. Okay? So then if we go over to the women's side, and I want to say that both these, these can work for both men and women. Okay? For women, too young to put what has happened into words. Right? I mean, how can you put what happened to you into words? Number one, you, it's like, what just happened to me? You don't understand it. You don't understand it or why it happened. Right? They were threatened or bribed by the abuser to keep the, the abuse secret. Goes right back to the other side of men, threatened as a child. They feel confused by the attention and feelings accompanying the abuse. Parents, I want you to hear that one. Why are they seeking attention from somebody other than you as a parent. And that, I want you to think about that question. Why are they thinking about getting attention from someone else other than you? It's a, it's a perfectly legitimate thought. And almost all of them will tell you, he was treating me like a queen or like a king, and he was buying gifts, and he was doing this, and stuff I wasn't getting at home. More importantly, they won't get in love at home. So in their eyes, this is love. They're afraid no one will, will believe them. That's both for men and women. 
I found out just before the sexual abuse even started, well, right after the sexual abuse started, going to people about physical abuse and everything, nobody believed me. So <laughs> you think they're going to believe me about sexual abuse? I just told you the story about the girl who was being molested by her grandfather who said, I'm going to show you what it's like to take care of men when you get older and she's nine years old. Really good grandfather, right? And her mom blames her for it. Blame themselves or believe the abuse is punishment for being bad. And feel too ashamed or embarrassed to tell. I mean, who wouldn't? And worry about getting into trouble or getting a loved one into trouble. That's another powerful one that, that happens. I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to get Uncle Bobby in trouble. He just molested you. He just raped you. And you don't want to get him in trouble? Do you realize what kind of a life you have ahead of you? So there's a lot of reasons we don't tell. That nobody wants to think about it. It's real easy for somebody to pipe off and just say, well, why don't you just tell somebody? Until it's happened to you, if you're not a survivor of abuse, don't even, don't even go there trying to tell us what we should have done. Because you have no idea what we tried to do. You have no idea the, the, um, the, the, the walls that we were up against all the time. The, the, the ridicule. The fear. Lots of fear. So, what's the solution? Well, that's a good question. Because I don't really know what the overall solution is to end abuse, because I don't think it'll ever end. It's been going on for eons. But, for the victim, the first thing for the victim is to become aware of what has happened to them, and the significance of what has happened to them is important. The victim has stopped, has got to stop denying the truth about how bad it was. Most victims are complete denial. Oh, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't, you know, it just it was just happened a couple of times, no big deal. But yet their life, they're they're they're, they're wrapped up in alcohol and drugs, and maybe their marriages are falling apart. Maybe they can't keep a relationship. Maybe they can't keep a job. But it was no big deal. Important thing is to find a safe, a safe person to talk to. And that would most likely be, um, in my opinion, somebody <clears throat> that has walked through not only what you have gone through, but how you've healed from it. You want somebody that's going to be able to listen to you without trying to fix you. There's a lot of there's professionals out there that can do that. Something that, that I, I do with, with several people. Because what you need, what, what, what needs to happen, well, I'll go with that in a minute, but is validation. So you need to find a safe person that you can talk to. This, is, this one's really important. If, you're, if you are chemically dependent, you must either join a 12-step program and or seek out professional help. It's a must. If you're, 
If you're still getting drunk and getting high, you're gonna stuck. You're gonna stay stuck in that victim mode, and you just aren't not gonna be able to work through these issues. You know, people often go, Randy, I, I don't know what to do with these feelings. How do I deal with them? I, and basically, the reality is, what I tell them is, you just need to sit there. Sit with them. They're not going to hurt you. I'm, I'm a phone call away. You need to talk. I'll talk with you. But you've never, you've never let those feelings, you've never really felt those feelings because you've been masking them for so long. We have to work through those feelings. It's okay. We'll get you through it. I promise. This is not a journey you can take alone, nor is it a quick fix. This isn't going to happen in six months or a year. This is a lifetime of work. I've been at it for 17 years. And I have to stay at it. I have to stay conscious of everything that goes on. I, I, I was meditating one morning, probably 15 years ago, 14 years ago. I can remember this. God told me this. Whisper in my ear. says, Randy, the scars are deeper than you'll ever imagine. And the damage is incomprehensible. And those are powerful words. And the scarring is deeper than you will ever imagine. If you stay on this journey, you stay diligent. You're going to find out how deep the scars are. And, and, I, and I can't put it any other way. It's, it's, it's the truth. I'm not going to deny it. Be patient with yourself. You're going through a lot. You're going through a whole lot, so be very patient with yourself. Love yourself through this. Make sure you got somebody that, that loves you and can walk with you through this journey and hold you up. People will say, well, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta start taking responsibility for your own actions. Yeah, you're right, you do. But you don't have a right saying that to somebody if you don't know the road that they've walked. Right? That's one of the first things we do is get them to realize that you're no longer a victim now. Or you ought, let me rephrase that. You're always going to be a victim. But we're, we're going to work with you so you no longer live like a victim. We want you to live like a victor, like a winner in this whole thing, so that you can help other survivors that were once in your shoes. So be patient with yourself. Forgiveness is the key to complete freedom and happiness. And I know people are rolling their eyes. I don't, come on, Randy. How am I going to forgive somebody that, that did that to me? I hear you. I was there for 38 years. I plotted the assassination of my stepfather on a daily basis. Right? But when I finally forgave him, I fought my, my, fought my therapist on this, my, my sponsor. I fought everybody. But I'll never forget the day that I truly forgave my stepfather for all that he had done for me. All he had done, so not for me, done to me. All he had done to me. And I was finally free and truly happy. Now, I want to say this. The forgiveness is an absolute process. You can't click your fingers and have everything wiped off. If you, if you get my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, Chapter 12 is all on forgiveness. And this, the critical stuff that's in there is what forgiveness is not. And too many people have a, uh, a, a construed idea of what forgiveness is. And the reality is forgiveness is not a lot of things that you think it is. And number one, forgiveness is for you and you alone. 
not for your perpetrator, okay? Now, if you're a friend, this is important. If you're a friend, again, the awareness for you that of the victim that he was that he or she was been abused sexually, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Sexual is, is probably one of the harder ones for people to talk about. If you are suspect, ask the hard question, and this has to come from a good friend, and this has to come from a friend that's known you for a while. And it might be something like this, you know, there's some things that are leading me to believe or think that I just got to ask you this question. It's, it's a yes or no. It's no big deal. Were you sexually abused as a kid or physically abused or emotionally abused? It's just some things that don't seem right that are pointing to this. If you're a good friend, hopefully they'll be honest with you either way and they won't be offended. We have to ask, we have to start asking the questions instead of ignoring them, sweeping underneath the rug like a lot of people do. Validation, and I'll go to that in just one minute. Empathy. You cannot fix the person. The best thing you can do is sit there, put your pencil down, your phone down, your computer down, put everything down, and just Listen to the person's pain. Don't offer them advice. You can't fix yourself, so how are you going to fix anybody else unless you're a therapist or a coach that's dealt with this stuff? Right? What people need to, what people, survivors need, most more than anything, they need to be heard. They need to be heard. And not judged. Understanding goes right along with empathy. Understand what's going on. Understand what they're going through. How basically all you can say is, you know, man, I'm sorry that happened to you. My heart hurts for you. I don't know how I can help you other than just being here for you to talk to. I can tell you right there, those words will go a long way with a, with a survivor. A long way. But it has to be in confidence. If you break confidence, if you break anonymity with that person, you don't know the damage that you're going to do to him or her. Got to be patient with them. Real patient. You can ask them, can I help you find some help? They say, no, not yet. It's okay. You can do your own research. Find out what you, you know, learn what you can. But don't force it on them. Don't try to fix them. You can't. Let them talk about what happened to them. Let them talk. Let them tell you. They need to get it off their chest. They need to talk about it. If people go, how long I got to talk about it, Randy? Until you don't have to talk about it. And you'll know. Right? You'll know. I'm tired of hearing the same old thing from this guy. He keeps on coming. I go, just chill, dude. He needs to talk. Now, caveat to that is that if they're not moving forward, if all they're doing is talking about and not doing anything to move forward, there's a different story. 
But if they're working hard at their at, at changing and moving forward, they'll know when they got to stop. It'll just stop. And believe me, I've, I've, I've had plenty of guys that they want, they, they want to change, they want to help, but they don't want to do the work to do it. And all you can do is be patient with them and loving. That's it. And you, you empower them rather than confront them. Do not confront them. Empower them. That's what they need. They need to be empowered. And how do you do that? By listening to them, validating them, understanding them, and having empathy. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm going to go real quick. I'm going to end with this one last slide, but I want to tell you about validation. That You know, I was never validated for the 38 years I was out running and gunning. You know, it was never, I'll get over it. It happened a long time ago. You need to forgive, forget, and move on. And never once validated. <laughs> when I went to Betty Ford, for the first time in my life, for the first time, and I'm not exaggerating, all my feelings, all my pain, all my emotions, my hate, my anger, were validated. They didn't tell me to forgive, forget, move on. They didn't tell me, to, you know, it happened a long time ago, forget about it. Well, you can't think that way. You can't, you know, you can't. No, what they said is you have a right to feel these things, Randy. What happened to you was, was bad. So I felt safe there because all of a sudden I'm, all my fears are being validated that was never validated before. So I, I, I felt open to talk about them. Therefore, I wasn't being stuck playing the victim all the time. I had a lot of work to do. I was working with my therapist at the same time. But that validation is the key to a person's recovery. So we have to validate how they feel. You have no right to tell me how I feel or should feel. I have no right to tell you how to feel or how you should feel. You feel how you feel. Your feelings are real. Now, does that mean we act on it? No. But people go, we can't feel that way. You're going to hurt somebody. I just saying this is how I feel right now. Give me 10 minutes and I'll be over it. All right. Talk to me here about what's going on and I'll be over it. I mean, that's all I ever need is just somebody to go, wow, really, Randy, what's going on? I can see where you, where, where you might be saying that. Well, what, what's causing this? What's, let's, let's talk about this so we can get you through it. Survivors need to tell their story. We need to tell it. And this requires intuitive listening. It's all part of a validation. Intuitive listening, watching and noting voice changes and body languages. Voice and body will tell you a whole lot more a lot of times than just speaking words. Intuitive listening. Don't make assumptions. Don't sit there and start listening to them and three sentences into it, you're figuring out how I can fix this guy or, or the, fix this gal. Either one. Don't even go there. Listen to everything that they're saying. It's imperative that you hear what they're saying to you. Don't just listen to them. Hear it. 
listen with empathy. We talked about that. Same thing with you're listening with empathy. You know, your, your heart should be, most likely your heart will be pretty crushed by the end of the conversation. It's painful to hear. Believe me, I, I mean, I still, when sometimes I, I hear some stories, especially from kids and stuff, it's like, God, why me? You know, I mean, this is like, even though I know it happens and I know it's true, when I actually sit down with somebody and they tell me what they went through, give the client or the person 100% of your attention when they are telling the story. If you need a break, right, respectfully tell them that. Say, wow, man, this is this is pretty deep stuff, and I, I, I can't imagine what you're going through. And you know what? If I could, I can I take a little short break here. I just need to, I need to gather my thoughts because this is this is pretty deep, and I can only imagine what it feels like for you if this is affecting me this way. I love you, and I want to hear you. Right now, I need to take, I need to give myself a little break. That's okay. Just do it with respect and love. Okay. If you're listening to them and you're understanding them, I'm sure they'll reciprocate the same thing back to you. Once they tell their story, guide them on a path of recovery. Once they tell the story, start guiding them on a path to recovery. And for, for you, if, you, if you don't know what that looks like, like I say, do some research. Suggest to them that you'll help them get into some kind of a, you know, therapy or recovery if that's what they so choose. Right. But as a friend, you want to make sure that they're taking care, that that they will get some help. They're going to need help. They can't do this alone. I tried it for too long. I actually myself, I was in. I remember my therapist. She's great. I love her to death. In the first session, first or second session, she goes, "Well, Randy," she goes, "Man, you're you're broke." We got a lot of work to do. A lot of work, she said. But you know what? We can do it, and you're going to be a lot better for it. If it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for my, my, my counselors and Betty Ford, I don't know that I would be here. I, I really don't. I don't know where I would be. Those are two critical people. And because of those two people... They were my mentors in a lot of ways that taught me. My therapist is the one that pushed me to do what I'm doing. Because of the way they, they, they helped me, now I can help others the same way. We're all human beings, and we have to meet each other on a human level. We're not all the same. We deal with things differently all the time. And abuse survivors... There's a lot of pain that you you can't see. A lot of times, and I'm one of them, they have a picket fence, a facade built around them that is unbelievable. Successful, nice house, nice family, everything's all together. But behind the facade, they're broken. So, and the last thing is, like I say, we're going to validate their feelings, but we're not going to validate their actions. The past is the past, but they have to start changing their actions towards people. Okay? So, 
I'm gonna end with that. It's a lot. Um, if you want to know more about abuse, the effects, and actually, there's a lot, a lot of hope and healing. Is my book "Healing the Wounded Child Within"? It's on Amazon, on audio, Kindle, and paperback. And actually, you know, a lot of um, a, a lot of spouses and friends of survivors have been reading it, and it's just given them a. It's just opened up their mind to why the things are happening within their home or with their friends. They've been able to see it and understand it. Um, like my wife says. <clears throat> She knew I was being sexually abused and abused overall before we were even married. I don't know why I told her. It just came out one day. And so she says this about it. She says, I always knew Randy was abused. But now that I read his book, I know what was going on inside of his head. Now I understand what was going on. And there's a lot of hope and healing in that book as well. Forgiveness, finding your authentic self, repairing yourself. So I, I really strongly suggest um, it's a number one international bestseller, number five, number one in five mental health categories. Healing the Wounded Child Within, right? Amazon, paperback, Kindle, Audible. I have my 30-day devotional, The Wholeness. That's on Amazon also and Kindle and paperback and my seven-day challenge workbook, and that's in paperback on Amazon. You can also go to my website, CourageousHealers.org. Um, we're in the process of updating it right now, so it looks, might look a little confused. Don't worry about it. It's going to be a lot better. Um, but there's a, I got a whole list of books, different books on there that I suggest that you can read um, on, on these subjects and others. So please visit the website, CourageousHeaters.org, and uh, you can see what we're doing on the, on the foundation side. Also, my, my, uh, my life coaching changeyourlifestorynow.com changeyourlifestorynow.com yeah my wife and I do a lot of pre-marriage and marriage counseling I'm SIMBA certified save your marriage before it starts um, we work with couples we work with individuals <clears throat> work with survivors we, we just work with everyday people that need coaching in, in the mental spiritual spiritual coaching mental wellness and, and addiction all that so no, please check that out as well and I uh, I think that's about really all I got for today. Um, there's been a lot, a lot happening. I'm gonna probably post a live feed here this week on a couple things that really, really frost my butt when it comes to what, what um, the the uh, legal side of things are doing with the case. So, anyways, remember this: <clears throat> if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. More importantly, God does. Everybody. Be blessed and have a great week, day, um, morning, evening, lunch, wherever you're at, whatever time it is. Just enjoy yourself and remember, all we have is this breath. We never know when our ticket's going to be up. Okay, love you all. Be blessed. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. 
And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>